Good morning. Isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Together as the church family of Pitts Baptist Church. Amen? Let's start our time together by singing. Won't you stand to your feet and let us worship our King this morning. Sing with me. Come let us worship our King. Come let us bow at His feet. He has done great things. See what our Savior has done. See how His love overcomes. He has done great things. He has done great Good morning. Thank you so much for being with us in worship today. We do want to ask all of our guests, uh, if you would please do us a favor. There's a care card located in the pew rack there in front of you. Take one of those, and we would love to have your information. And if there's things that you would like for us to give to you about the church, uh, you can check those things. And on the back of the care card for everyone is a place to fill in prayer requests. We want to know what's going on in your life. If you've got things you would like the staff to pray over, that's for our guests and our members. Uh, take a moment to fill that in. And as you leave today, there are boxes on the round table. You can place those cards there, and uh, we'll be sure to get those and make sure we contact you. And just thank you for coming, and also pray for those requests that you've given us. So, again, thank you for being with us today. We're glad that you're here uh, in worship. There are a couple of things coming up that I do want to highlight in announcements this morning. 
First of all is discipleship training that's coming up on Sunday nights beginning October the 3rd. You can begin signing up for that uh, right now or today. As you leave, there are clipboards on the information desk where you can put your name and information and then take one of the information sheets that's located there and take that with you so you know all the details. Uh, but there are, are ladies and men's classes that are going to be offered. There's a finance class and a parenting class. All of those are going to be offered at 5 o'clock starting October 3rd. And they're in various locations, and they'll, they'll last for six weeks. And so we want you to come be a part of those. That's always a great time. Plus, you get to see people that maybe you normally wouldn't be in class with uh, that's part of the church. You get to know new people. And so we want to encourage you to come be a part of those DT discipleship training classes starting October 3rd. And then also there are brochures in the lobby available uh, for our deacon uh, nomination. The, the deacons that have been nominated are in those brochures, and it gives you a picture and tells you all about what they're involved in here at Pitts Baptist, because next Sunday we're going to be voting in this service next week uh, on those deacons. So we want you to be able to be informed, look at those things, be praying over that, and then come in and be able to vote next Sunday. So please go by and grab one of those on your way out. And then uh, an announcement that I am very excited about. We have a new missions opportunity uh, that is uh, starting even uh, today with information called Loving My Neighbor. Uh, we, we are excited about this. We're going to be challenging all of us to basically get to know our neighbors and to begin a relationship and loving them. Uh, details and all that, we want to talk to you about that in, in detailed fashion, have a workshop, and that is this Wednesday night in the activity room of the core, beginning at 8.05. So right after the, the service on Wednesday night, come to the core activity room. Uh, we want to hand out a packet of information, give you some tools to use. But in a nutshell, here's what it is. You, you get to pick your Saturday, October 9th or October 16th. We've got two that we want to uh, have uh, that event on. You pick, and basically what you do is invite your neighbors to come to your house for a meal. Uh, when, in my house, what we're going to do is we're going to set up tables outside uh, and have everybody come. I'm going to actually cook the, the meat and what we're going to have at our picnic-style dinner. Um, hopefully it's good. And people will come and enjoy a time of fellowship to eat around those tables. And basically we want to talk to folks, ask them who they are, what they do for a living, their dogs' names, get to know them. Uh, and, and basically uh, get to know those folks and, and, get, and, and basically start a relationship to love them. And so how hard is that? It's not hard at all. It's something that we're all comfortable doing. So we want to encourage you to come to that meeting this Wednesday at 8.05. And we'll have some tools to hand out and have more details and give you an opportunity to ask questions about that. So please come be a part of that. We want to offer this as a, a missions opportunity to do locally. And all of us can be a part of that. So at this, at this time, we want to ask you to draw your attention to the screens. We have a video announcement uh, for this morning, special announcement. Lord, may our precious children know that you are their God, who takes hold of their right hand and says to them, do not fear, I will help you. From Isaiah 41, 13. In the future, I can see students facing challenges with their mental health. It's, I've seen it around me, I've seen it growing in recent years, and so I can see that just growing in the future too. We would love for mothers to be involved in creating an environment, a cultural environment, that is a safe environment, that is a productive environment, at the end of the day where people have the freedom to seek out the Lord. Our kids need prayer, our schools need prayer in this next year. You can go to Moms in Prayer and fill out a group information form and get contacted by somebody locally that can share with you how to get involved with Moms in Prayer to be praying for your kids in school with other moms that have a passion to be praying for their kids in school. I believe schools need prayer for God to bring change in people's hearts and minds uh, and for to create a um, sense of confidence in the students to reach out to the lost students and their peers and potentially teachers too. Uh, but prayer will lead to change and God can bring revival. We're inviting you to pray for our kids in schools. Moms in Prayer has blessed our school Sunday each September where churches globally unite to be praying for our kids in schools. 
For more information, go to momsandprayer.org. Students, bring change to your schools through prayer. For information, go to claimyourcampus.com. As a Christian community, God calls us to pray for our local schools. Jamie Kirk is coming to share more with us. She's the leader here uh, for the group that meets at our church, so she's going to come and share more with us. Jamie? Good morning. Um, today I would like to recognize and pray over our local schools, staff, and students on behalf of Moms in Prayer International on this Bless Our Schools Sunday. Our vision is that every school in the world be covered in prayer. So please see me or visit momsinprayer.org for more information. Um, I'll be in the back after church if you have any questions. No question is a dumb question. Just ask. Ask me. Um, so if I could have this group of elementary students come on up. Um, and then their parents come and join us up front. Meet your child up front. Um, also, every other student or school staff member or parent of those students, if you have a preschooler over in the other building, just stand where you are. And this is from preschool to college, um, including public, private, homeschool. Please stand up where you are. If you are any of those things, people. Um, and as they're coming, I just want you other folks to get a visual here of the number of people impacted by our prayers. It's like most, it looks like half the people in here. Um, um, also, I would like to thank this staff and this church for their continuous support of Moms in Prayer. Um, so like I said, I'll be out back. There's materials back there, prayer cards, scripture cards, bookmarks for students, bookmarks um, just with scripture prayers. Stop and grab one. Um, and at Moms in Prayer, we specifically pray our children into scripture, um, praying God's word back to him. And that's his will if we pray his word. That is his will. Um, and so... That material is going to give you a picture of what we do at Moms in Prayer. We also pray and pour our hearts out over the specific needs of our children. Um, so my prayer today will be a little bit of both. Um, if you want to silently agree or say a prayer of your own, feel free to do that. Um, so others of you who are standing, if you want to lay your hands on, just make it your own little special moment here. Um, others of us, please join in spirit. Those of us who are sitting, um, do that. All right. Heavenly Father, you, Lord, are almighty. You know each of us by name. You give us our next breath. God, you are able to fix anything broken in our lives. Nothing is beyond your control. You are omnipresent in all places and you see each person you know our hearts and our thoughts help us god to make them about you allow your power to work within us empowering us to become to come boldly to your throne of grace help us see like you would see and love like you love i pray for each student and staff member standing and the schools they represent Lord, gather them in your arms with the love and peace that surpasses all understanding. Protect them from the evil one. Lord, thwart each plan of evil around these people and their schools. Help them to not be afraid, but trust in your sovereign plan. I pray that Christian students and staff members would find each other, God. That there would be a bond and strength that is unbreakable. Lord, that they would pray for and encourage each other. Lord, I also pray for those who are not yet written in the Lamb's Book of Life, that they may come to know you this school year. Come quickly to your throne, surrender themselves humbly before you, and proclaim you as Lord of their life. 
I pray your holy presence over each of these precious children of God. They are your children and chosen by you. Lead them forward, Lord. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. For those of you who are standing, remain standing. The rest of us, would you stand with me as we continue in worship together, singing this great, great hymn of our faith. Let's join our voices, lift our voices, sing together. Join me. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord, Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, you rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not know now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your soul. Amen. What is our hope in life and death? Christ alone, Christ alone. Our only confidence that our souls to Him belong, who holds our days within His hand, what comes apart from His command, and what will keep us to the end, the love of Christ on which we stand. the grave, what will we see? 
Christ he lives, Christ he lives, and what reward will heaven bring? Hey, North Carolina Baptists, I'm excited and honored to serve as your next executive director treasurer as we become a movement of churches on mission together. Your North Carolina missions offering serves as one way that we're on mission together here in North America and to the ends of the earth. Ministries like disaster relief and the work of Baptist on Mission, church planning, missions mobilization partnerships, community projects through missions camps, and outreach through our local Baptist associations all happen because of your generosity to the North Carolina Missions Offering. I'm passionate about this work and have been personally connected to these or similar ministries that NCMO supports. As a new Christian, one of the first ways I got involved in missions was through disaster relief work, which is the tip of the gospel spear for hurting people. Also, the local church is God's plan A for reaching a lost world, and that's why we need thousands of more churches to be planted right here in our state. And as a former missionary, we value partnerships that mobilize and send people to serve. And for many individuals, this is their first taste of being on mission together. As a former associational missional strategist, I have seen firsthand how Baptist associations can bring churches together for the advancement of the gospel. And through our mission camps, we are impacting thousands of people and communities with great needs, all while introducing them to the love of Jesus. You know, in his book, Experiencing God, author Henry Blackaby famously said, watch to see where God is working and join him in his work. North Carolina Baptists, let's join God in his work through the North Carolina Missions Offering as we offer relief for today and hope for tomorrow. Good morning. Uh, take your Bibles and find Psalm 121 with me. I want to uh, talk to you this morning on the subject matter, Our God Saves. And uh, looking at that video that you just saw, let me thank you for your contributions to our church budget. We do uh, give to the North Carolina missions offering through our budget instead of taking up a special offering. It's included under the mission section of our budget, and we thank you for your generosity uh, to the budget because it helps us fund these various things. And of course, he highlighted the work of uh, disaster relief, and I can tell you that is an area in Southern Baptist life that is really stretched thin right now. It was in Baptist Press uh, this past week with all the disasters down in the Gulf and uh, also, am I on? Don't know what happened. Back with a vengeance there, isn't it? Anyway, uh, where was I? <laughs> Disaster relief uh, down in the Gulf, all the disasters there, the disasters in western Tennessee, 
uh, those in Western North Carolina in Baptist Press this past week. Uh, they were talking about how thin Baptist relief efforts are stretched right now. Of course, we're the third largest relief organization in the world behind the American Red Cross and the Salvation Army. Then comes Salva uh, Southern Baptist disaster relief effort. So a huge effort. And that is one thing that's uh, supported here in our state through the North Carolina uh, missions offering. So again, thank you for your part in giving to that. Uh, let me also ask you to pray for the men of our church who will be going away next weekend to Snowbird. And so pray for them, pray for this trip. It's always a special time up there at Snowbird and uh, the activities there, but especially the Bible study, the, the, the worship time, very powerful time. So pray for the men who will be uh, going to that. Uh, also pray for the Barfield family. I see Scott uh, learned last night that Lisa's dad uh, passed away, so be praying for them. Also pray for some of our team members coming back from Alaska. Most of the Alaskan team members are back, but uh, Sergio and David McClamory and Eddie Thompson came down with COVID while they were up there, so they had to quarantine and stay longer. And this week, uh, Eddie and James Blandford, who stayed behind with him, will also be coming back. David and Sergio were able to come back uh, yesterday late. So pray for these remaining two that are headed back, and we praise God for their uh, recovery. Uh, would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word? Our God saves. Psalm 121, a psalm that's been deep on my heart this week. The psalmist said, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Father, we're so grateful for your word. The hope that we find in your word. We're thankful that you are a God who reveals himself. You reveal yourself as a redeeming God, a saving God. Lord, without the salvation that we have through Jesus Christ our Lord, we would be a hopeless people. But in Christ, we have hope. And God, with that message of hope, I pray that we would be a light to all of those around us. Lord, we thank you that you are more than worthy of our faith. Some of the things we put our faith in are not worthy of our faith. They will disappoint us, but God, you never disappoint. Thank you for your steadfast love, your holiness, your character. Speak to us through these verses that we've read today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, people look for help and support. A lot of people in our world today looking around for help and support. But the question is, where do we look? Where do we look and what do we put our trust in? I can't help but think of the classic example that we find in the book of Isaiah of someone who had a misplaced trust. I'm speaking of King Ahaz. 
You may recall in chapter 7 of the book of Isaiah, God had told Ahaz to ask him for a sign. Now folks, we are not to look for signs, but if God tells you to look for one, it would be wise to do so. And he told Isaiah to look for a sign, to ask for a sign. But Ahaz, pretending to be super spiritual, said, I will not test the Lord. I will not ask. But in reality, what was going on with Ahaz is that he already had his mind made up as to what he wanted to do. He didn't want God getting in the way of what he already planned to do. You see, this is what was happening. Tiglath-Pileser was the king of the Assyrians. And everybody was scared to death of Assyria because they were growing in power. They were on the move and they were conquering kingdoms and nations. And so Pekah, the king of Israel, and Rezin, the king of Syria, they got together and they said, we need to form an alliance together. Maybe two nations can stand against the Assyrians. And to help even more, they said, let's get Ahaz in Judah to join us. Then we'll be three nations standing against the Assyrians. Well, when Ahaz wouldn't, they were going to knock him off and put in a puppet king who would lead Judah to join with them in this alliance against the Assyrians. And that's why God says to Ahaz, don't do it. Don't join in with them. It will not prosper. You need to trust me instead because I'm going to take care of the situation. Just ask of me and I will show you what I will do. Ahaz's plan though was he was going to call, of all things, he was going to call Tiglath-Pileser himself, the king of the Assyrians, and tell him what the king of Israel and the king of Syria was about to do and how they were wanting him to join in with them. He tells the enemy that and he says he was trusting that Tiglath-Pileser and the Assyrians would help him and show him favor because he wouldn't join the alliance. Well, it didn't work out that way. The Assyrians came and delivered their judgment anyway. Folks, you and I can too often be like Ahaz. We have our plans and we don't want to look to God for his plans. We need to have our eyes open. We need a fresh glimpse of the God of the Bible. We need to understand who he is and what he can do. You know, sometimes we feel like we're all alone in life. We may feel like we've been abandoned. We may feel like we don't have a friend in the world. We may be facing some big decision or trial this week. I don't know who I may be talking to this morning. I'm apparently talking to somebody because it's like God hadn't let me move away from this text this week. So I have to trust there's a reason for that. Well, the psalmist makes a personal and a powerful declaration here that we need to hear. He talks about the source of his strength and he understands who the source of his strength is. I want you to see first of all with me this morning, as the creator, God is the source of all that we need in life. Look at verses 1 and 2 again. Uh, it says there, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Folks, the source of our strength can never be the world or anything that is in the world. He says, where? Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Now there's a couple of ways this psalm has been interpreted. First of all, as a song of ascents. 
And what is meant by this is that this may have been a psalm for travelers, for pilgrims who were going up to Jerusalem each year. They would celebrate the great festivals. Remember with me for a moment, after the wilderness wanderings were over and they'd settled in the promised land, there were various times that they would gather together as the people of God. They would travel to Jerusalem. Wherever they lived in Israel, they would travel to Jerusalem and they would gather there at the temple and they would meet together and they would celebrate what God had done in their midst and they would worship God. Those were great times of remembrance and also great times of joy and celebration because they would remember the mighty acts of God, what God did in their behalf when they were in bondage in Egypt and how God delivered them from Egypt and destroyed Pharaoh and his army. And so as they traveled across the countryside and would approach Jerusalem, remember Jerusalem was up on a mount. It was was higher than the surrounding area. And so as they would be traveling into town, they would look up and they could see the city of Jerusalem from from a distance. And as they lifted up their eyes from their travels and they saw that mount and the temple, it would remind them of how God had helped them. It was a reminder to them that God had done the impossible. He had taken a band of slaves and and delivered them from mighty Pharaoh and the Egyptians, one of the major world powers of the day. And then when God led them out into the wilderness, he fed them manna in the wilderness. And the Bible says that even their shoes had not worn out. God had been their helper and their provider. The book of Joshua shows how God went before them and drove out the inhabitants of of Canaan and God gave them the land. Now folks, think about it. As we come to worship, don't we need to do what they're doing here? We need to remember that God saved our souls. The circumstances may be different for everybody. The timing different for everybody. But if you're in Christ, God has saved your soul. There is no small testimony. Every testimony is wonderful what God has done in your life. To redeem you. And to write your name in his book of life. And we need to remember that. We need to remember how God has lifted us out of darkness. And he's put light and hope in our souls. We need to remember what God has done in the past. And and it's assurance that he'll work again in our lives today. Because after all, the Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so reflecting on his care in the past gives you and me assurance for today and tomorrow the God who saved you yesterday is the God who will not forget you today and you know that's essentially Paul's point in Romans chapter 5 isn't it turn with me a moment to Romans chapter 5 Because I want you to see what Paul is doing there and, and the way he's weaving this argument together And I'll I'll try to make clear what he's doing. I'll point out in verse 6, Paul says, For while we were still weak, what was was our condition? Weakness. While we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Now, Understand verse 10, what he's saying here. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, 
Much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. You see what Paul's saying there? Here's how God treated us in the past even when we didn't deserve it. Even when we were lost. Even when we were his enemies. And if that's how God treated us then, he sent his son to die for us and we're redeemed in Christ. Now that you're in Christ, now that you're his adopted son or daughter and you can cry out to him, Abba, God, you're in God's family. How much more now is God going to show his kindness to you? It's great assurance. Now, as I mentioned, there's another way of looking at this psalm, too. Not as a song of ascents as they traveled up to Jerusalem, but as a song of separation. A song of separation. Some translations will deal with verse 1 uh, differently by asking a question. I, I lift up my eyes to the hills... From where does my help come? A question. And then the declaration, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Some interpreters tell us that what the psalmist is doing here is he's looking out across the landscape of his neighbors. Specifically, his unbelieving neighbors, his pagan neighbors remember they had not driven out all of the Canaanites from the land some of them were still there and the Canaanites served false gods and and what they ended up doing is they would draw the hearts of some of the Israelites away from the true and the living God and one of the main religions, one of the main false religions of the Canaanites was Baalism. They trusted in Baal or Baal. Baal was the storm god who brought, who they believed, the Canaanites believed, that he brought the rains and the fertility to the land. And what the Canaanites would do, they would go to the top of the hills. I suppose thinking they could get closer to Baal, the storm god, and get closer to the clouds. And so they would go to the tops of the hills and they would build their pagan altars there. And they believed that Baal had a female counterpart, Asherah. And Baal and Asherah would engage in sexual acts together. And this is what the Canaanites believed would bring fertility to the earth. And so the Canaanites would go to the tops of these hills, build their altars to Baal. They would cry out to Baal. And then they would engage themselves in sexual acts with with prostitutes involved in Baalism and they believed this would spur on Baal and Astaroth to engage in sexual acts and bring fertility to the earth. You see what a perverted religion Baalism was. And all around the Israelites this is what was going on. And so the psalmist is saying, am I going to do like my neighbors? Am I going to look up to the tops of the hills where these altars to Baal are? Am I going to trust in Baal? That's what my neighbors are doing. Am, 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 am I going to do that? Am I going to trust in what my neighbors are trusting in? And of course he's saying here, no, I will not do that. I will not look to the mountains. I will not look to the false gods. I will not trust in what others are trusting in. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. He's my deliverer. Where do you place your trust? Can your God save? If he's the God of the Bible, he can and he does save. Why? Well, as he says here, 
He created the heavens and the earth and all that's in them. And he made you. He can certainly take care of his creation. He's the mighty God. And our God saves. Amen. The gods of this age can't help. The gods of our age today, just like Baal couldn't help. Remember Elijah atop Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal? That big showdown they had on top of Mount Carmel? Remember those prophets crying out to Baal all day long? And Elijah's just sitting back and he's laughing at them. Hey, yell louder to him. Maybe he's asleep or maybe he's in the bathroom relieving himself and he's just not listening. Cry out louder. Elijah's laughing at him. Go back and read 1 Kings 18. You see how he's laughing at him. If we trust the gods of this world and the things of this world to help us, we might as well be screaming into the darkness. But what did God do? Genesis 1 says, He spoke and the heavens and earth were created and all that's in them. In Genesis 1.26, He spoke. He created man and the woman in His image and it was done. All God had to do is speak and it was done. That's what Jehovah God can do. Are you at the end of your rope this morning? Are you at the end of your strength? What can God do? Well, Hebrews 7.25 says He can save to the uttermost those who come to God through Christ. Romans 8 says that He's even making intercession for you. Think of that. Romans 8 talks about the Holy Spirit making intercession for us even when we don't know how to pray. But He perfectly knows our need and He perfectly knows the, the heart and the mind and the will of God because He's the Spirit of God and He's able to bring the two together. Our need, our request, and God. What God desires. Like the psalmist is saying here, we just need to open our eyes and open up our ears and look to God and listen to Him. We need to trust in Him. We talk about trusting Him, but do we? Kind of like the joke about the man traveling along, fell off the edge of a cliff and fell over. And there were big vines growing down the side of the cliff. And as he's falling down this cliff, way down to the bottom, falling to his death, he's, he starts falling through some of these vines that were growing. He grabbed a hold of one of them, hanging on. But his strength began to waver after a long time. And he was looking up there and crying out, Is anybody up there to help me? Is anybody up there? And finally, he heard a voice. A voice from heaven said, My son, I'll help you, but you've got to do what I say. And the man said, God, is that you? Yes, I'll do whatever you want me to do. God said, Let go of the vine. He said, What? Let go of the vine. The man thought about that for a minute. Looked back up and said, Is anybody else up there? <laughs> but folks, when you trust God, look at what happens next. After seeing the psalmist look up to God. Look, look secondly, as our Savior, God provides watch care for those who are His. Verse 3 begins, He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. 
God's strength is not only seen in his creation, the fact that, that he made heaven and earth, as verse 2 says, but his strength is also seen in his care. God not only saves us, but he keeps us. He sustains us. He points out here, he'll give you the right foundation. He says, he will not allow your foot to be moved or to slip. You know, the world's a very uncertain place. Last week I mentioned 1 John chapter 2. How John's saying, don't love the world. Don't love the things in the world. If anybody loves the world or the things in the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And he reminds us that all that's in the world is passing away. It will not last. Some people invest in this world as though it will always be here. 2 Peter 3 verse 10 reminds us though that it won't. Peter says the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. Peter goes on in verse 13 to say, but according to his promise we are looking for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. I feel sorry for those who only have this world and the things of this world to hope in. The convictions of this world are always changing. The values of this world are always changing. But the Bible says our God never changes. He's not a moving target. Remember what Malachi 3.6 says? God says through Malachi, for I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. He's the everlasting rock. He's a firm foundation. He exercises a constant presence. He goes on to say, he who keeps you will not slumber. You've heard the saying, out of sight, out of mind. Well, God's children are never out of his sight. The reason you can sleep at night is because God doesn't sleep at night. Back in the days of World War II when the Germans were bombing London all night, night after night, the citizens got together uh, to collect the dead. They began looking for an old woman in their community. They looked all over. They finally found her sleeping. They, they asked her, how in the world at a time like this can you sleep? She said, well, the Bible says that he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. So I figured that there was no need for both of us to stay up all night. So I went to bed. He will be your keeper. Six times he talks about that here. Speaks of watch care. He's a friend and a guardian. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The heat bears down on us. We face the hardships of this world. The trials of this world. We go through fiery temptations and trials. And you know what? The Lord may not keep us from trials, but He brings us through the trials. He gives us relief. He protects us from the enemy. That's the significance of being the shade at our right hand. In battle, a soldier had a shield in his left hand and his sword in his right hand. His shield was his defense and the sword, of course, was his offense. Even though the sword was his offense in his right hand, his right side would be vulnerable to attack. And so what the psalmist is saying here is that though we're in battle and though we have an enemy, yet we don't stand alone. The Lord is with us. Even on our weak side, at our weak points, the Lord is there to give us strength. You may feel alone this morning, but if you're God's child, you're never alone. You're never alone. 
As a constant companion, you need not fear neither by day nor by night. Another World War II illustration for you. You remember Paul Harvey, don't you? What was the famous thing his program would open up with? You remember that? And now for the rest of the story. In one of his programs, he told about the B-29 bomber that took off from the island of Guam for Kokura, Japan. They were on a bombing mission. When it got to its primary target, it circled and circled above a gigantic cloud that had moved in between the bomber and its target. The plane kept circling and circling, waiting for the cloud to dissipate, and it never did. And since by this time the plane was low on fuel, they had to give up hitting their primary target. And so they moved to their secondary target. The secondary target was Nagasaki. And Nagasaki was destroyed. Well, later on, one of the officers in command of the mission learned a piece of military intelligence came in that nobody knew about at the time. And it sent chills running up and down his spine just before the attempted bombing on their primary target. And by the way, on the history pages and all, you can read, you can read about this. Though they won't talk about the conclusion that Paul Harvey gives at the end. But anyway, just before attempting the bombing uh, on Kakura. Thousands of prisoners, allied prisoners of war, and the biggest concentration ever of American prisoners had been moved to Kakura. Had they bombed that city, all of the allied prisoners of war and all of the American prisoners would have surely been killed. Now I know that illustration may trouble some. And I understand, why did God protect some and not others? All I can say is there must have been a lot of praying saints among those prisoners of war. And God hears the prayers of his children. And that reminds me of the end of Romans 8. I've been drawn to that so much lately. What shall we then say to these things if God is for us? Who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It's God that justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who's at the right hand of God, who's interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? He goes on to say, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. He's your shade at your right hand. He doesn't slumber. He's your keeper. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going in and coming out from this time forth and forevermore. Amen? Amen. Bow with me, please. Have you experienced the love of God personally? Do you know what it is to trust in Him and Him alone for your salvation? Can you say this morning like the psalmist, Will I trust in what others trust in? Where's my help going to come from? My help's going to come from the Lord. Can you say that this morning? I'm not going to trust in what the world is trusting in. I'm not going to turn to the things the world is turning to. I'm going to put all my trust in Christ. And Christ alone. Has the Holy Spirit convicted, of you, of, convicted you of your sin and drawn you to faith in Christ? 
and your, your trust is in Him and Him alone? If not, I would beg of you today, come to Christ. I'll be here to pray with you. The two Kevins will be here to pray with you. Jonathan will come down off the stage from leading in music and he'll pray with you. Come to Christ. Christian, are you weak? Are you struggling? Have you lost hope in this world? Remember, God's able to come to your aid. He made the heavens and the earth. He'll give you that foundation that you need. He'll give you peace in the storm. He never slumbers so that you can. Can your God save if he's the God of the Bible? Yes. When you're weak, he's strong. Remember that. Cast all your care upon him because he cares for you. You going through a tough time? Maybe you sense that Satan is nipping at your heels. The Lord can protect you. He can watch over your coming and your going. But you got to be like the man who was told to let go of the vine. You got to let go. You got to trust God. Father, we thank you for this psalm of hope. This psalm of victory, this psalm of peace in the Lord, of knowing He's the one we're to look to. Not what's going on about us in the world. People around us look at what's going on in the world. They fret about this, they fret about that. So stressed out, so worried about things. But God is your people. Help us. To keep our eyes on Jesus and may our trust in Him never wane and never falter. We pray in His name. Amen. Would you stand, please?